Hi there, welcome to the Kids Way Podcast. We are a podcast committed to helping kids stay in the way of the King. And if you've never heard of King Jesus, well get ready, you are going to love Him. We pray that you would also learn more about what it means to be on His narrow way. We also use various tools to encourage and teach, from fictional stories to scripture reading, to music and sometimes even bringing in some kids to contribute. You can find us online at www.kidsway.ca and there you will find links to our Facebook page and also other info about Kidsway. Before getting into today's episode, we want to thank Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music collection. If you would like to check out more of Jamie's music, you can find him at soulmusic.ca. That's www.solmusic.ca. Well, let's get to the story. We pray you are encouraged and pointed to King Jesus through today's episode. Hi there, welcome back to Kids Way. In today's episode, we're going to start the exciting story of Shamgar and the Unlikely Bride. This is an original story written by me, Aaron Hale. So let's go ahead and get started. Shamgar and the Unlikely Bride, Chapter 1 The Divine Encounter. While I know not how this journey will unfold, I find myself compelled to write and record the strange and miraculous events that have unfolded thus far. My name is Shamgar, and I write to you from the desert of Chosek. I do not know how far I am across the desert, for it has never before been crossed, and therefore I have no tools of navigation or reference. The only thing I have is the instruction given me by the great king and his unseen physician, and counselor, Ruach. Of course, by saying those are the only things I have, I mean in terms of navigation and guidance on this pilgrimage. I am not without her, the beloved Ada. She belongs to the great king, for he rescued her from certain destruction and torment with his very life. 
Truly, she is the reason I am on this journey, and I can't complete it without her, lest I fail my commission given me by the king himself. Perhaps you will learn more of this in the pages to come, and more fully understand why it is I cannot leave her behind. Have I wanted to quit, you may ask? Yes, many times I have been tempted with the thought of either turning back and forsaking my charge from the king, or even just leaving Ada behind and finishing this journey on my own. But as I continue to hold in my hand the sacred writings of my king, and as his physician Ruach enables me, I press on. Day by day I set my gaze upon the distant horizon. Day by day I care for Ada and give food to her and water and encouragement from the letters of the king. Though my eyes have not yet seen it, nor my hand touched it, I trust that my king spoke the truth when he said his kingdom is of another world. He said I would have to walk to that which I cannot see and long for that which I have not known, but that as I know him, I can rest assured that he speaks the truth. Now, let me record my journey from where it began. It began in that desired town of Arden. It was the place of my birth and my father's before me and his father's before me. It is said that my descendants have always lived in Arden, and so you can only imagine my shock to think of leaving and starting across this wasteland of a desert to a city and a kingdom no one has seen, with the exception of the king himself. But back to my story, it started for me not so much at birth, but rather as a young man who was oblivious to my own current state, much less to the state of the people and the city which I had grown to love. I had my future planned, and my steps and my decisions to this point were only confirming its fulfillment, for I was to join the mighty army of Arden and eventually work my way to become general, and possibly even moving on to be the pharaoh himself one day. For once a man had proven himself in the ranks of military, he is able to also join the line of those to inherit the throne. I guess I will never know how far I would have progressed, but constantly I was affirmed in my skills as a fighter and navigator and leader. Since boyhood, my father would instruct me and train me, and so after a short time, the life of a soldier and thoughts of a leader became second nature to me. In Arden, there is no greater accomplishment than to succeed through the ranks of military and eventually reach the prize of sitting as pharaoh over the people. We are a proud people, as strong people who have endured the attacks of powerful enemies of long and endless droughts, we have extinguished overwhelming fires and outlasted earth-shattering storms. Yes, I thought I would never leave and that I would live long in the land of my fathers. But one dark and rainy night my course was forever changed and my path eternally altered. I was sure that this night would be like all others. I would walk my assigned patrol route, secure the city gates, join my fellow soldiers back at the barracks for some of yesterday's leftover stew and the same drink and carousing routine until we had passed out. However, as I was rounding the corner to my last check, I noticed a mob of people dragging what appeared to be a young woman from a distance and shouting, Guilty! Guilty! She must die! I did not recognize the girl, nor was I aware of any crimes committed in the city recently that would require execution, so I decided that I better follow after the mob and investigate further. I could not tell if the raindrops running into my eyes were causing my eyes to play tricks on me or not, but something seemed unusual about the size of the men. 
The men of Arden are not small men, generally speaking, but somehow I felt smaller than usual as I trailed at a safe distance. Because I was caught up in the excitement of the event, I didn't really stop to think further about it, and would not understand this initial confusion until later. I do remember my instinct as a patrol to keep an eye on this group as things unfolded and also try to keep myself from overstepping my place as a patrol unit. My father used to say, Son, being a soldier doesn't mean getting in the middle of every fight, but rather knowing which fights to stay out of. Therefore, not having the authority as a night patrol and of the lowest rank in the military, I could not take action against the mob, but thought it best to watch so I could give an account to the authorities if needed. As I followed at a safe distance, I could see that the girl was badly hurt and possibly on the verge of becoming unconscious. It was then that my heart stopped, for I caught a glimpse of the emblem that the members of the mob wore. I knew it only by story and description, for my father would speak of it to me when I was young. And yet, it seemed strangely familiar as though I had seen it before. I knew this emblem as the Imago and the stories in which it was found were always filled with terror and mystery and seriousness. For it is the emblem of a distant kingdom, one that has no beginning, I was told, and will know no end. It is the kingdom that rules all others and is free to execute judgment as desired. As the legends go, this kingdom is the source from which all life flows and to which all life must return. Of course, as a young child, I would often think about such a place and wonder what it was like, but as I became a young man, I counted such things as old stories made up to entertain children and humor the old ones. I had never seen any evidence of such a place, and well, after a while, I demanded real evidence that such a kingdom does exist, and therefore I began asking if anyone had seen it, or been there, or met the king of that place, and to my disappointment, all I could find were stories." Stories remembered or stories written down, and to put it bluntly, I'd had enough with stories. I wanted to live my life for that which is real, which I can see and touch and know for sure. For I am Shamgar, and I was to be the future pharaoh of Arden. Well, at least that was how my thinking went. Where was I now? Oh, yes. My heart froze for hours, it seemed, as I gazed upon the emblem, the Imago, I tried to convince myself that this was some trick, another example of silly stories being acted out by men for a good laugh at breakfast tomorrow. But I knew that this was no trick or child's play, for the emblem was made of material not of our land, and it shone forth with a kind of brilliance that I had never seen. Unable to move, I hoped that I would go unseen and be able to slip away into the dreary night. But as I turned to leave, I didn't realize that my instinct to flee had taken over, and I lunged forward only to slip upon the wet stones beneath my feet. I knew my cover was broken. It seemed to me that before my body even hit the ground, one from the mob of strangers grasped my arm with an iron-like grip and carried me to the place where the young woman was also held hostage. I've been drugged where I've not wanted to go before. However, this was different for the one who had grabbed me seemed to have the strength of twenty men. It was as though I was a small child in his hand, and that he could move around effortlessly. As I passed through the mob of strangers, a deep sense of shame came over me as though I was a vile thing in the midst of royalty, a guilty criminal in the midst of righteous kings. I knew that any attempt to free myself would prove futile, and only worsen my situation before these mysterious men. 
and even if I had thought I could free my arm from the grip of the stranger, a deeper part of me knew that this moment was inevitable, and that I would only be delaying what I must one day face. As I reached the place beside the girl, I noticed, first of all, that she was not a little girl, but rather a grown woman, and secondly, that she was certainly from the city of Arden. While I did not recognize her at first, she looked very average to me. Her breathing was quick and shallow, and she did not attempt to raise up her head as I stood beside the place where she was crouched over. I do not even think she realized that I had been placed beside her as she remained motionless in the rain and the darkness of the night. I did not attempt to speak to her, for it seemed that my mind was still struggling to catch up to what my eyes and ears were perceiving around me, and I was rendered speechless. But while I did not know this woman, or at least I didn't think I knew her, I did have a clear sense that there was a distinct separation between her and I and those who stood around us, as though we were from different worlds altogether. In that sense, I was slightly comforted by the presence of another citizen of Arden. As my gaze turned from the woman, and I began to look over at the man who had drugged me to the front of the mob, to my shock, I looked over to realize that my eyes were only at his waistline. Now, I'm not the biggest man in Arden. There are a few who are taller. Certainly not to the extent that this man was, though. No wonder I felt as a child in his grasp, for by comparison in size I am a child beside him. This also explained my initial confusion as to what I was seeing and supposing that the woman was actually a young girl. After the shock of this discovery subsided, I worked up enough courage to glance upward towards his face. My eyes passed by the imago symbol embedded into the fabric of his cloak, and I again was startled for he seemed to have the appearance of a man, and yet his face had an unearthly glow or radiance about it that both dazzled me and filled my heart with fear. It was the same feeling that I had had as I passed through the crowd of strangers, not because I felt I was in the presence of wicked men, but rather because I sensed within myself that my own wickedness was being exposed. For there are few things more terrifying than to have to face the reality of who I really am. Of course, if you were to ask me prior to that if I was a wicked man, I would have to answer like any other in Arden that I am generally good. I enjoy my drink and my women, but I don't steal or kill for pleasure. I never force myself upon a woman, and I try to keep my word. I was known for my fierce temper, and it more than once got me into trouble. But again, I was not worse than any other citizen in Arden, but things were different that night. It was as though the truth that I had been suppressing had become so overwhelmingly buoyant that I could no longer suppress it. I no longer had the strength or desire to keep it down. I couldn't point to one specific reason why this happened, other than it seemed that it was rising up from the very fabric of my being, an awareness or a standard that had been there all along and now awakened. As I looked at the man, I noticed that his face was fixed back into the crowd, and so naturally my eyes followed the path in which his gaze pointed, for whatever he was looking at seemed to demand his complete attention. It reminded me of my fellow soldiers when we came before our pharaoh, and how our every move was strategically planned so as to confirm our complete allegiance and loyalty to him as our sovereign. My head turned, and upon turning I realized instantly what my capture was looking at. What appeared from the outside to be a mob now looked more like a highly organized group of elite soldiers, each perfectly spaced from the one on either side and all fixed upon a common point. 
they had formed somewhat of a U-shape, with the woman and I with our guards at the mouth of the U-shape, but we were not the focal point. In the center of the formation was one who looked to be a sort of captain or general of the mysterious men. While he was certainly from the same place, according to his appearance, he was even more radiant and impressive in size. He held in his massive hands a book overlaid with what looked like gold or some other similar finish. He opened the book and began to read, and I was not prepared for the sound of his voice. For when he spoke, I could feel the sound waves hitting against my face as though he was hurling stones at me with his voice. It wasn't as though his voice was extremely loud in my ears, but rather the authority and seriousness with which he spoke was far greater than anything I had ever heard. Also surprising to me was that he spoke our native language as though he had lived here, and for some reason I expected him to utter something unintelligible to me. These are the words he read from the book. These are the words and statutes of the great city of Mamluka. It is as servants of our king the Most High that we come and judge the city of Arden. For our king has created all and demands allegiance from all. The citizens of Arden have forsaken their creator and king. They have refused to give him praise and honor him as king. They consume all for themselves and reject their king. For generations our king has waited and pursued the people of Arden, but they will not turn from their ways. Therefore it has been decreed that judgment must fall. A day is appointed where Arden will be consumed by fire. This night we have been sent to warn again the people of Arden. And as a foreshadow of what will come, we will execute at least one citizen. If more are found, then so be it, that all in Arden might know they must repent while there is time. They must prepare for the coming day when all will be judged. As these words were still resonating in my ears, my mind instantly went back to the stories I heard as a child, those stories of a great kingdom from which all life flowed. I remembered how I had sought that kingdom with such zeal as a child, but then as I grew, I concluded that it was only a myth, nothing more than a children's bedtime story. As I grew more, I even mocked those who spoke of such a place, laughing at them and telling them they were foolish to waste their time. For few in Arden even speak of such a place any more, nor do they give their time to learning the stories. And yet this night, I suddenly realized that I was the foolish one. I was the one who judged wrongly by what my eyes could see and my hands touch. Even as I recalled these things, I was reminded of this consistent desire that would rise from within to seek that kingdom, to acknowledge that I belong to someone greater than I can understand and perceive with my mere senses. I knew I was guilty as the one holding the book had said. I knew that all of Arden was guilty and that it would be vain to even attempt to defend ourselves against such a sentence. Of course I did not want to die at the hands of these giants, these foreign servants from this city of Mamluka. My mind began to race for another way to satisfy the decree from the king, another way to appease his right to our loyalty and praise. Without really thinking, I blurted out into the night, Surely we can do better. Surely we can have some more time to show the king that we can change and honor him as our maker and sustainer. A long pause occurred, and then the mighty one looked up at me from the pages of his book and spoke. Truly it is too late for the citizens of Arden. 
For you have become foreigners to our king, and you have acted according to the choice of your ruler and forefather, Adam. And then he confirmed my fears by saying, Only that which is pure and righteous may come before our king, that which knows no rebellion or wickedness. Indeed, the people of Arden are born into the rebellion of their forefathers. I began to weep, and as a man who has not cried since I had learned to walk, I found myself unable to stop the sorrow that flowed up from within and poured out through my eyes. Truly, we are a helpless people with no way of escape. All that we thought we had achieved is for naught, simply dust in the wind. That which is lovely and good and able to give life is now out of our grasp, never to be restored. It was as though the world that I thought was real and lasting was melting before me like wax. I began to realize that death will be the reality of our people, and surely something horrific beyond that. I glanced over at the woman beside me, and she too was weeping with sorrow. What little comfort I had previously felt by her presence with me had now vanished as I knew that she and I were together guilty and utterly helpless. Then, as a final blow and confirmation that this was not simply a nightmare from which I would wake, the messenger read from the book again. It is decreed that the chosen citizens of Arden should be scourged to the verge of death. It is decreed that the citizen chosen of Arden should drink from the goblet of fury, the drink which will consume them from within. It is decreed that these citizens be then nailed upon the wall of Arden, that all might see and be warned of that coming day, when the fire of judgment will fall upon the whole of Arden. Let it be so. While I heard the word spoken and the decree that was given, I did not understand what it meant. To an extent I understood the scourge to the verge of death and perhaps even being nailed to the wall of Arden as a warning to the rest of the people. But I had no category for this goblet of fury that he referenced, this terrible and fearful drink that would destroy and consume. I knew it was something that I surely could not withstand, and it seemed it would be something that would extend beyond time itself. As I recalled, I remembered that this kingdom was one that had always endured. It was without beginning and without end. And so as I sat there and pondered the implications of this judgment, of this wrath, I began to realize that this wrath must endure forever and ever. It seemed to me that the goblet of fury must be something that was beyond my understanding and more horrific than anything I had ever known. But I knew I could not run, nor could I refuse my execution. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Tune in next time and we'll see what happens as our story continues. Remember, if you would like to write to us or find out more information, you can find us online at www.kidsway.ca. And don't forget to head over to www.soulmusic.ca to find many more songs that Jamie Souls has written and recorded. See you next time. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.
we gaze on things that are unseen Through the eyes of faith we see them Flex your muscles, throw troubles to the 